0: I'm Donica Contour, and this is Naptime Devotionals, Episode 17 Stand as a Witness, Studying Doctrine and Covenants, Sections 14 through 17. Welcome to Naptime Devotionals, a come follow me study for busy moms. I'm Donica Contour, your host. I'm a mom of four kids, wife of a high school theater teacher, and my favorite show to binge watch is Murder, She Wrote. Okay, so you might be able to hear my kid in the background. (laughs) My two-year-old is uh, very interested in coming in here. My husband's trying his utmost to convince him that mom and dad's room is not the coolest place in the world right now. So, the nature of God and Heavenly Father is the same person. um, And Christ. (laughs) Oh, boy. We're off to start today, huh? Okay, so looking at sections 14 verses 8 and 11, in section 17, verse 1 of the Doctrine and Covenants, and then 1st Nephi, chapter 15, verse 24. Heavenly Father and Christ can be trusted, right? We know that they will always keep their word. Um, It really, this, this, I was reading over this and looking at the different notes that I had written, and the thing that kept coming to my mind is the phrase, my word is my bond. I don't know if you've ever seen Hook. Um but Robin Williams's character um who is Peter tells his son that he's going to be at his baseball game. He's like my word is my bond, right? Like my word is my bond. What I say is what I do. Well, if you've ever seen Hook, you know Dad misses the baseball game. Um spoiler alert, right? And um and I think that that's important to note that humans as much as we want our word to be our bond, as much as we might try, as much as we might do everything in our power to make sure we always 100%, excuse me, keep our word when we say that we're going to, we can't. We can't keep it 100% of the time. We're just, we're just too human. There's too many things that come up in the way, right. I can promise my kids that we they can build a snowman tomorrow. I can say, absolutely. I promise you can build a snowman tomorrow. Um, but guess what? Idaho's being super funky and we don't have any snow right now. Texas has snow. Don't get me started. <laughs> so I can do, and I can say things. That are within my control and say, Oh, I'll be there at that time. And I can leave the house with plenty of time. I can, you know, drive according to the law so I'm not going to get pulled over and accidentally, you know, have to deal with that. I can do all the things right and still hit a huge road accident that puts me way behind that makes me late. I can, I can do all the things right. And the humanness of me or the humanness of the world around me can prevent me from maintaining my word. But Heavenly Father and Christ are not bound by the humanness of the world, by their own humanness. They are eternal, perfected beings. So when they say, my word is my bond, which they don't exactly, but that concept is there. It's true. One hundred percent, Heavenly Father is bound by his word. Okay? Which I think is really important to know. Okay, Doctrine and Covenants, section 18, verses 10 through 12. And I really am going to spend probably... A lot of time here. Um, I I love these verses so much. This is probably one of my favorite parts in the Doctrine and Covenants, right? We know Heavenly Father loves and values every single one of us. And I've talked about this before, right? So we know he says, remember the worth of souls is great in the sight of God. And I want to note, it's not remember the worth of righteous souls. Remember the worth of the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints' souls. It's not, remember the worth of the prophet's soul is great in the sight of God. Remember the worth of souls. If you have a soul, it is of great worth to God. The end. That's, that's, that, that's it. The worth of the soul of my little baby, who is like almost six. No, he'll be seven weeks. In a bit, the worth of his perfect little soul, who's he's done nothing in this world, right? All he does is cry and spit up, is worth the same to Heavenly Father as the soul of Hitler. Which I will say, the first time I thought about that, I was like, no, that can't be right, right? Like, that can't be right. Like, my sweet little babies are precious and they're perfect and they haven't done anything and they're. Innocent and Hitler did all these horrible, horrible things to people. And but the fact is, they are both to Heavenly Father, they are both his sons, and they are both so precious to him, and they are both so important to him, and their worth is so great. And so, I want you to consider this for a moment that the worth that we have to our Heavenly Father, how much, how precious we are to him, is not something we influence. Okay. It's just innate because we are his children. I am his daughter. There is nothing I can do. There's nothing I can say. There's nothing I can think. There's no action I can, I can take that will change how precious I am to him. There are things I can do that will change whether or not I get to live with him when I die. Right. If I go through my life and make terrible, terrible choices and I don't repent and I just am this crazy person, um, and I do all the terrible, terrible things, I'm still going to be so, so precious to him, but I won't get to live with him because I didn't repent and I didn't try to follow him. And while his love is unconditional, his ability to save me because his word is his bond is 100% conditional. So let's look a little bit more into this, these scriptures, right? So that's verse 10. Verse 11 says, For behold, the Lord your Redeemer suffered death in the flesh, wherefore he suffered the pain of all men, that all men might repent and come unto him. Right? All men, all people, every single human being, from Adam down to whoever it is that's the very last person to be born on this planet, every single one of those souls is important to Heavenly Father. And so that's why he sent Christ to suffer the pain of of all of those people so that all of them have the opportunity to repent and come back to live with him. And here's the part where I say we get conditional. So verse 12, and he hath risen again from the dead that he might bring all men unto him on conditions of repentance, right? You can't come and live with heavenly father if you don't come unto Christ, right? That's just, that's the way it works. Um, and I think I've said this before where I love all of my children. I love them so much. I would jump in front of a moving vehicle for them. I would do anything I can to save them, to bring them and make sure that they're always can come home safe to me. Right. But there are still rules. Okay. I love my daughter, my eldest daughter. His name is Julia. She, I love her. I love her so, so much. She's hilarious. We have the same, <laughs> we have the same sense of self. We have a lot of the same mannerisms, so it causes a lot of headbutting. Um, same oldest child, oldest girl, kind of the alpha female of the family. So there's a lot of, a lot of headbutting there, but. I love her. I love her. There is nothing in this world she can do that would make me love her any less. So when she hits her sister or when she yells at her brother, or, you know, when she doesn't listen after I've told her not to do this thing and she does the thing again, I love her so much. It doesn't change the fact that I love her, but it does change the fact that now she gets to go stand in timeout. Now she's going to be disciplined because she didn't Listen to the rules. We don't hit in our house. We don't take our mattresses and fold them over and make tents out of them um, because they need to last until we graduate from high school and move out of the house. So, we, uh, not that, you know, that happened multiple times this week or anything. Um, but no matter what, I still love her when I do those things. She doesn't think so, but I do. I still love her when I'm like, okay, time out, nose to the wall for six minutes. Um, she's not happy about it. But I still love her, right? Okay. So, moving on. Um, Let's talk about the plan of salvation. Heavenly Father will always provide a way for us to be obedient, even when it seems like we can't. And so I wanted to look at Revelations in context. Um, This was a pretty cool one. This is page 26 in the Revelations. In context, it says, in the last letter, Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery requested that Whitmer, David Whitmer, come to Harmony to help the two men move to the Whitmer home. I had some 20, this is Whitmer speaking, right? I had some 20 acres to plow, Whitmer wrote. So I concluded I would finish plowing and then go. However, when he got up the next morning, he found that between five and seven acres of his land had already been plowed during the night. When he asked who plowed the fields, well, when asked who plowed the fields, Whitmer answered, I do not know. I cannot tell you. All I know is it was plowed. It was a testimony to me. I did not have any business to put off going after Joseph. I hitched up my team and started for Pennsylvania. Um, And I think that sometimes we're talking about the humanness of ourselves, right? That we get distracted by our present temporal needs that we neglect or put off our internal spiritual needs um and i think that sometimes heavenly father likes to send us little reminders that's like hey of the two of these things this is the thing that's most important. I'll take care of this other thing. Don't worry about it. Like I know that this is important and it needs to get done for you, but this other thing I need you to do is more important and more vital to, um, to your, to the plan, to my plan, to my plan for you. Okay. Um, and then I wanted to talk about, so one of the talks that the come follow me recommends you read is thanks be to God by president Russell M. Nelson. Um, it's from the April 2012 general conference. And this is, this was something I thought was really cool. I'm just going to go through a couple of different quotations and it basically breaks up into three points that I, the quotations I picked out break up into three different points. And I figured out from this that each part of the plan of salvation is important. Okay. So the first one, I feel like deals with family and it says marriage and family are ordained of God. The family is the most important social unit in time and eternity under God's great plan of happiness. Families can be sealed in temples and be prepared to return to dwell in his holy presence forever. That is eternal life. It fulfills the deepest longings of the human soul, the natural yearning for endless association with beloved members of one's family. I remember my dad saying that on his mission, um, he served in Argentina, he would tell people about eternal families. He goes, and there was this light in their eye, like, I know this, like, of course, our families are supposed to be eternal. Why did we never talk about this before? You know, and it's because of this eternal truth that our families are meant to be eternal, Um, which is why we have the gospel and temples and all the incredible blessings that go along with those. Okay. This next part I wanted to talk about is life. Okay. And, um, I posted on Instagram about this. He says, think of the body's defense system. To protect it from harm, it perceives pain. In response to infection, it generates antibodies. The skin provides protection. It warns against injury of excessive heat um, that excessive heat or cold might cause. And I love this idea that the body perceives pain. And I I don't think that it's when I perceive something, it's not something that's just happening to me physically right? It can also be something that's happening to somebody else. I can see, I can perceive someone else's pain, right? Like when I'm changing my baby's bum and he's so hungry, but he also has a poopy diaper and I have to prioritize, change the poopy diaper and then feed him. He's crying and he's mad. And I can perceive that pain, that, that hunger pain in him, Um, when one of my other kids falls down or gets hurt or somebody says something mean to the other one and it really hurts their feelings, I can perceive that pain in them. Um, and I think it's something that's important to note that it's not something that is just us. We don't only perceive our physical pain. We can also perceive others, physical, spiritual, emotional, mental pain as well. Um, and to pay attention to those things, to, learn from them so that we don't necessarily have to go through the same things, but also to be a sucker to them and to mourn with those that mourn and weep with those, um, you know, comfort those that stand in need of comfort. Um, and then the last thing I love, and in between these two quotations, he talks about how, how the body works and all these different things. And I highly recommend reading this. It's really, it's a really cool one. Um, but he says, mercifully for us, our creator provided for aging and other processes that would ultimately result in our physical death. Death, like birth, is a part of life. To return to God through the gateway we call death is a joy for those who love him and are prepared to meet him. Um, in sacrament meeting, I think it was last week, maybe the week before, somebody talked, told a story about this guy going to the doctor and he asked the doctor, you know, what, what happens after we die, you know? And the doctor's like, I don't know, like, <laughs> I haven't died. I don't, I've never been there. Um, and the guy's like, well, how, like, <laughs> what, what do you mean you don't know? Um, cause he knew this doctor was a, you know, good Christian man. And the doctor, for some reason has his dog on the other side of this door and he opens the door and the dog comes in and g- runs right up to him. It's just, you know, this happy, happy little dog. And he says, my dog has never been in this room before. He didn't know what was in this room. He doesn't know all the things that are happening, but he knew his master was in this room. And that was enough for him to be, to happily go through that door, right? Um, to not fear what was on the other side of that door. Um, and I think that that's such a cool concept that I think a lot of the times the world especially makes death this scary, unknown, horrible thing, right? We, and our brains are designed to prevent us from dying, right? Our brains are designed to keep us alive. So they're like, "Mm, death, not so good. We don't want to do that one. And I'm not saying like, we should all just go die right now. Like, that's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is there's no need to fear death because it's something that was designed by heavenly father. Um, and it's not always pleasant for us to go through losing someone else. Because, you know, it's hard for us. We're going to miss them. We're not going to be able to talk to them the way that we were able to do before. Um, We're not going to see them regularly like we did before. We're not going to see them until we die. But it doesn't need to be this big, scary thing. And I remember when my grandfather passed, I didn't cry. Because I knew he had been in such pain for so long. He had had a stroke and then for months after he lingered and then finally he passed and I remember being told and just kind of feeling this like, Oh, okay. Like I didn't, I did I wasn't, I wasn't overwhelmingly sad. I wasn't, I didn't really feel anything. And I remember talking to my husband about it and be like, this is weird. Like I don't like, and he's like, it's because you know, the plan of salvation, like you don't need to mourn him. You know that you're going to see him again. You know, that families are eternal. You know, your parent, your grandparents were married in the temple Um, or were sealed in the temple, like there's no reason to be, and you knew that his, his life was not, it wasn't like he was just suddenly taken from us. We knew that this was coming and I was waiting for it. Right. Um, and I remember I didn't cry until I actually saw my grandmother at the funeral crying over the casket. And I didn't cry because, oh, grandpa's gone. I cried because I was, I saw, I perceived, right. I perceived that pain in her, that she's lost the love of her life, that she's not going to get to spend more time with him here. Um, okay. So the last thing. Because I'm getting kind of off track here. But the last thing I want to talk about is just the application. And this is another quotation from President Nelson. And I I just love this. He says, Ours is the responsibility to teach his children and to awaken in them an awareness of God. And I hope, this. I guess this is my challenge to you this week, is that... You study in front of your children. And I, believe me when I say, I get that it's hard to focus and like really get stuff out of the scriptures in front of your kids. Um, but you know, listen to them on your phone, listen to them, you know, on the radio, like however it is that you, that you do your scripture study, try to get some of that in front of your kids this week. Um, I remember talking to my cousin about how we knew what the atonement was, right? Christ died for us. He went through the, you know, he um, atoned for our sins. He went in the garden of Gethsemane and suffered for us. And he died for us on a cross and he was resurrected again to overcome death. But beyond that, I didn't really understand how the atonement worked. I didn't understand how to use it until I was an adult. And I was talking to my cousin and she said exactly the same thing. And... I remember talking to her about it and being like, I don't want my kids to be like that. Like I want my kids to understand how accessible the atonement is for them. And I think it's important that we show our kids how we use the atonement um, and, and articulate our way through it, narrate our way through it as much as possible so that our kids can really see that this is a tangible thing that we want to utilize in our lives as much as possible and to lean on heavenly father, to lean on Christ, have our children see us on our knees, really saying those prayers where we're asking for help and not just kind of, you know, prayer number five over the food. Um, so that's the challenge I'm going to leave you with. And I will talk to you next week.